Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico and I chat about the last year in garbage and how to stay happy when things keep getting worse. Then Crooked Media's own Priyanka Arabindi is in studio, along with Kieran Deal and Megan Gailey, to talk about crying. And as always, the hills will die on. Hey, listeners, before we get to the show, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to submit a hill you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. You can also send other correspondence in that direction. But keep in mind that more people besides me check it. Caroline also checks it. So send love notes and hate mail to our personal addresses. Also, merch is in the works, and I'm biased, but it's really great. And also, I see all the gifts you're tweeting at me, people, about how merch has taken a long time. And I appreciate them, and I, I acknowledge the fact that I'm somewhat owned by them. Um, but it is in the works. It's really cool. I can't wait for you to see it. I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout-out to a special group of listeners. This week, I want to give a shout-out to people listening to Hysteria from another country. And on that note... If you're listening to this, I'm currently on vacation. We pre-recorded this episode. So if everything went to shit and we're not talking about it on this episode, it's because I've successfully fled and I live in Italy now. Now let's get to the show. Hi, Alyssa. ERG, what's happening, my sister? ERG? EGR? Yeah. EGR? Oh my God, I always write ERG. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. There's going to be a callback to this later in the conversation. Absolutely. (laughs) Alyssa Maestro Monaco? Maestro, Maestro. (laughs) Maestro Monaco. It's so good to talk to you. You too. Well, it's summer, which means that by the time people are listening to this, um, I'm going to be on vacation. We're we're pre-recording a couple of episodes. Yeah. So this is a very special kind of reflective Aaron Alyssa chat that we're going to um, we're going to use. And if you're listening to this, I'm hopefully I'm in Italy um, unless things went terribly wrong. Um, But hopefully I'm in Italy when you guys listen to this. But one of the things I was thinking about is this is the first we did a we did a, a, a big kind of um, spell, I guess, of episodes right away. Then we took a break in January and we haven't really taken a break since. And we haven't really had a chance to pause and reflect on the year. Mm. So I wanted to kind of talk to you, Alyssa, about, you know, the first episode and what has changed between then and now. Do you remember the first episode? Was there coffee cake involved? Yeah, I made some. Yeah. So I remember. Okay. Um, there was, there was coffee cake, but then also it was the day that Kennedy resigned. Yes. And then didn't we have to to do a special episode? We, no, we had to redo it. We redid it. That's what it was. Yeah, we we did it. Yeah, I totally remember. (laughs) You sound like you've got a great recollection. I mean, it just seemed, it seemed like a moment to me that day, even though it was, it was totally annoying on many levels that he resigned that day. Um, It was historically annoying, but it was also like logistically annoying for everybody because we all had to come back into the studio and do it again. But it seems like a fitting 
place for this podcast to start. Um, do you think we've been moving in a positive or negative direction since then? Our podcast or the world? Both. So the podcast, definitely. I think that our podcast is very special, and I mean that sincerely. Um, the world, not super positive direction. Now, that doesn't mean I think it's going to go off a cliff. But, you know, when you think about the first episode and talking about Justice Kennedy, that's before we knew the caliber of, you know, SCOTUS nominees that Trump was going to put up and right. who we were going to end up with. And and so, you know, and then and then if you think about all last summer, he nominated Kavanaugh in like fucking July or some shit like that. And, you know, we fought so hard and we, and, you know, he ended up being a Supreme Court justice. And so I feel like it doesn't feel awesome. And what everybody thought was going to happen was like, oh, they're going to attack Roe v. Wade. Well, yes. I mean, yeah. the Supreme Court has not directly, but the, the people who hate it are super ginned up and just doing everything they can. And, you know, so I feel like, you know what, maybe it's just like it was going really bad for a while. and then maybe in the past couple of weeks, maybe it feels a little bit better because all the women are running for president and people just seem to be caring a lot more about women's issues, which makes sense since we're like 51% of the population. Yeah. But I guess that's a positive. Like it's definitely, we're talking about more women's issues than we even did in 2007 and eight when, you know, Obama and Hillary were running. Yeah, I think that that's true. One of the things that upon further reflection on the Obama years, when I wasn't involved in politics, I was I was just a snarky blogger toward the end of them. Um, mm. But I but I was covering politics. toward. I was like snarkily covering politics and kind of like very tentatively tapping my toe into that world. Um, but one of the things I think that was a, a downside of the Obama era was that a lot of people who are my age or younger just kind of felt like they could peace out and not really pay yeah. not really pay attention and myself included to an, to the extent before i was covering politics before i was like working in media there was times where i was just like yeah it's fine everything's fine and everything was not fine things were going to shit for years 2010 was a disaster and we're still dealing with that and you know i think that the good thing about this era i'm trying to kind of find a silver lining to it. But the good thing about this era is, is multiple. I think or it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of good things about it among the bad. One is that people have woken up and given themselves a crash course in civics. And I think we all know a lot more now. I mean, people who weren't in government before, we know a lot more now about how things work and how things can go wrong than we did before. And I think that knowledge of those things arms us hopefully against those things in the future. I also think that to echo like uh, an idea that Rebecca Traster has said a lot is that women have gotten really, really angry. And it's been a sort of rising mm -hmm. tide of this sort of productive anger, not like, you know, throwing bricks through windows. It's like angry women have channeled it into being productive. And 2018 to me, the election, it, it sort of was this encapsulation of all of these all of these like problems and good things that I've seen in the era. Nobody really expected Democrats to pull it out to the extent that they did and in the way that they did. But I think that women who are on the ground and I think women who are who were running or women who care, who were paying attention, knew that 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 we had it in us to put a lot of women of color, a lot of young women into Congress and to start taking back state houses that we'd lost. I, so I think like the bad is leading to people being galvanized enough 
to move towards something good. I just hope that we, I hope it's enough. Well, hope it's enough and hope that nobody loses their energy. You know, like that it's been since 2016, it's been three years that everyone's been working their ass off. And so it's like, you know, maybe everyone's just learned how to pace themselves and realize that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And, you know, 2020 is something for us to look towards, but it's not going to be the end. You Mm -hmm. know, even if Trump's not president anymore, it doesn't change what places like Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi and Ohio and Missouri have tried to do at the state level, Mm -hmm. you know, the low and the local level. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that like, even when people are talking about 2020, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not just about who's running for president. Like, don't take your eye off the ball. Like all those people who won in 2018 have to be reelected. Right, exactly. And we have to do that. And we have to do it from a right. position of being behind the eight ball when it comes to uh, states that have been gerrymandered because or until the Supreme Court does something about it, which they might in the next couple of weeks, um, do something about what 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 constitutes gerrymandering and, and how legal that is. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good piece of advice. But at the same time, it's like, don't you feel kind of daunted by it? Like the idea that I just, yes. we just have to do this forever? I, how do you what, how do you stay happy? Like, how do you stay motivated? Let's talk about happy. Okay. So, so I bifurcate happy from like fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So it's like doing our activism doesn't necessarily make me happy, but I feel like I'm doing something right. Like I feel like in the era of Donald Trump doing something is a component part of like being happy. Mm-hmm. Because if I weren't doing something, then I'd be like, I'm just a fucking rotten piece of shit, you know? Right. But for me, it's like a lot of things that, you know, like you look now and everything that, that this administration has done, like all the protections they've rolled back, not just against people, but about against our public lands and animals and like agreeing to trophy hunting again. And so I do derive a lot of like, sort of happiness from trying to help the animals that really that's like in a, in a big sort of, I'm a good person way. I'm like, that's something that really gets me going. But like on a basic, like how does Alyssa keep herself smiling? I mean, marijuana helps. <laughs> and it's getting legal in more and more places. So, I mean, congratulations, more more congratulations, Illinois, first of all, for doing I know. Um, that's, you know, that's interesting. Uh, the thing that you said about bifurcation, I've kind of done something similar between the concept of fun and the concept of good. Yes. There are things that are fun and good. There are things that are fun and not good. And there are things that are good, but not fun. And the good in the not fun stuff is the reward of doing it. I mean, I, I think I, I sound like, a, I don't know, like an unfrozen caveman learning about human interaction right now. But I think that there's there's a lot of stuff that is not fun, but it's good. Like going yes. out and working out on a day that you really don't want to is not fun, but it's good. Eating uh, vegetables instead of a piece of cake is a lot of times not fun, but it's good. You know, waking up early and educating yourself on the latest fuckery from the right so that you can adequately respond to it is not fun, but it's good. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you should cut fun out of your life. I think um, my, my great grandfather, who is a 
a lot of fun and sometimes not a very good person, um, <laughs> had uh, he had a saying that, that he would kind of say to his family, which was like, you can't beat fun. You definitely have to have some fun in your life. So I think um, one thing that has made me feel a little bit more balanced has been paying attention to uh, keeping myself physically active. So getting outside has been really good for me because um, sometimes it's really easy to get depressed about, you know, this tiny, this little screen you can hold in the palm of your hand. And it feels like the whole world fits into the screen. And really, if you look up, there's like infinitely more space than what is just there. And um, I also think like reading stuff that has nothing to do with politics sometimes or watching things that doesn't have anything to do with politics sometimes is, is like something that makes me happy. Like Fleabag right now is making me really happy. I've got to watch it. It's like next in my queue. Cause I just finished, well, I finished two weeks ago. I finished dead to me, oh. which was same, like nothing to do with what's going on in the world. Totally sucked in. Love it all. I also unrelatedly find uh, law and order SVU very satisfying <laughs> because like nine times out of 10, there's justice. And I find that justice makes me happy. Yeah. Like like knowing that somewhere on this planet, bad people are getting what's coming to them does, does, you know, I never used to feel like strong after I watched SVU, but I do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's something that writing has brought me, especially being able to do screenwriting, even though screenwriting is the worst and nobody should do it. It's terrible. (laughs) Um, But it's really fun for me to uh, take like my anger or my frustration and fictionalize it and then make it funny. Um, like the show that I'm, we're just wrapping up the writer's room now, but the, the Always Sunny is a really fun place to work because the characters are really, in part because the characters are really bad people and you can kind of do whatever you want to them because yes. the, in, within the world of the show, it makes sense. So writing something where you're just like, I'm making a fictional world involving these characters and this is what they're doing and this is how they interact and this is what justice looks like inside of this tight, you know, 22 minute script that I'm working on or whatever. It's like kind of cathartic. Um, it's also, you know, like I said, writing is the worst and nobody should do it. But it when it when it's fun, it's it's really, really great. And it helps a lot, I think. Also, I've gone back to things that I was like, what used to make me really happy, like before all of this? And I've basically gone back to like my 17 year old self. And I spend a lot of time up in this place called Columbia County, which is very rural in upstate New York. And I roll down all the windows in my car. I open the moonroof. It's like a sort of old Ford Escape and it has lots of stickers on the back. And I just sing so loud and drive back on like country roads. And at the end, you're just like, what could possibly be wrong with the world? The sun is out, the sky is blue. And I just sang along to an entire set of like the Grateful Dead from 1982. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's so funny because I have a a similar praxis, (laughs) Um, except not involving the Grateful Dead, not involving 1982. But it's like the stuff I listened to in high school, like, yeah, like whole. I listened to an album, listening to whole or like kind of pop punk that boys told me to listen to. Um, I've been like revisiting Fugazi um, and revisiting even like radio pop that at the time I was like, this sucks. I'm cool. I then I. Secretly liked? Same. Do you know who I rediscovered? And I was so, so judgy about it back in college. Dave Matthews band. I was always like, <laughs> he's such a poser. They're just trying to be fish in the dead. And now I'm like driving through the street and I'm like, I know every oh, word to this man. song. How is that possible? Dave Matthews is a human thumb ring. He's 
I mean, it's so true. But I was sitting there and I was like, God, Alyssa, you are such a cunt. Like, how could you have hated Dave Matthews? He's awesome. See, let's, let's, you know what we should do to move toward happiness is avoid the negative self-talk. I would never call you a cunt, Alyssa. Only in the context of like good cunt. You're like a good cunt. So I am a good cunt, but like at the time I just was, was really shitty and judgy to anyone. It's like if someone said they were going to a DMB concert, I was like, oh, you're so trite. You know, and like <laughs> the thing that makes me happy is when I evolve. And so I consider this a great evolution. Well, let's hope that this country, like we as individuals, can evolve so that we don't have to revolve revolution, revolution. Oh, good. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, Alyssa, this was so fun. I wish we could keep talking about being happy and screaming aloud in the car as a way to sort of keep us in fighting shape going into 2020. Um, mm. But uh, I, uh, I guess I'm going to talk to you in like two or three weeks two or three weeks and please say hi to all my people in the motherland that is, or actually it's my fatherland. It's okay. Italy, the only place where people have pronounced my last name correctly on the first try. Oh, really? Do I yeah. say it right? How do you say it? Master Monaco. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Whew. What, that would have been so embarrassing. Dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> Whew. Okay. I'll say hi to the fatherland for you, Alyssa, uh, and uh, talk to you soon. Bon voyage. Bye. Stick around, there'll be more hysteria after the break. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. Is that, you know what? That seems like a real perk of Iori. <laughs> it is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> five the, stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. 
The Crooked Store's latest collection has a clear message for anyone trying to take away abortion rights. Don't. The No Trespassing collection features four different designs, each inspired by a different state where abortion is under attack. There's Stay Out of My Swamp for Florida, Stay Out of My Hole for Arizona, Stay Out of My Prickly Pear for Texas, and Stay Out of My Strip for Nevada. But obviously, I'll be wearing these no matter where I am. A portion of proceeds from the collection will go to Vote Save America's F-Bands, the Fight Back Fund, which currently is supporting abortion rights organizations across Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. Head to cricket.com slash store to shop. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at the dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. Now comes the point in the show where we talk for a long time about a thing we think about a lot, personal political. First, I want to introduce the amazing women who are joining me today. First off, we have actor, comedian, woman with French writing on the back of her shirt, Megan Gailey. Bonjour. <laughs> I, it was like I when you said French, I was like, I guess I'll say bonjour, but then I was like, I don't want to. Like this isn't what I want to do. But you did it. You did it. I respect that you brought it. We had a um French teacher growing up who had a southern accent. What? Yeah. Yes. Oh no. So it was like really Can you do an impression? Bonjour, class. I mean, that's like what we were getting. Oh, that's great. Je m'appelle Karen. <laughs> uh, next up, we have working actor uh, of a new on a new show that just got picked up, which is so so exciting. Karen Deal. Hi. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm here. It's been a minute. I know. I think there was a. I think there was a snafu where I didn't get the. They didn't actually. <laughs> They didn't send me the dates. You thought oh, you were right. getting fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was like, like, I was like, oh, well, I guess that's it now. <laughs> One job at a time. We were supposed to do a show Sunday together. Yes, that that was a that was uh that was my fault. Okay, that was act- that was actually my fault. But I I let her I let her know about mm. that. I always think of you the one time that you said Karen that you lie in wait like Nosferatu to yeah. be summoned. So I'm just picturing you lying in wait and being like I'm not getting any emails. I don't need to go in hysteria. So you just kind of are. Yeah, just lying. There. Yeah, just, that's right. Just that's right. I was like, there. oh well, it's time to go. <laughs> the people have summoned me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been summoned, and I'm glad that you floated in here a few inches off the ground. It was real creepy this early in the morning, but I accept you as is. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's why I like this program. <laughs> and third, a special guest today, her first time on Hysteria, Crooked Media's own Priyanka Arabindi. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Thanks Welcome. for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I've wanted you on Hysteria since we started. Well, I love your show and I've wanted to be on since you started. So this is really exciting. Yay. Um, how have you been? How's Crooked right now? Crooked is good. Crooked is busy. Crooked yeah. Is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How's uh, how's writing what a day? 
Oh, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> my editor's on vacation right now. So, oh, it's so a it's little, all you. It's a little crazy. Oh, yeah. But... Brian has been Instagramming a lot about yeah. being places that aren't where he's supposed to be. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy week, but he's back next weekend. So oh, that'll that's, be good. That's good. Then you can just totally be deadweight and let him exactly. do all the work. <laughs> um, well, when we were coming up with a topic for today, uh, we gave Priyanka as the guest the <laughs> option. <laughs> And there were two options that we had it narrowed down to. And Kieran, I'm looking at you because I'm just, I cannot wait for your reaction to this. Oh um, the, the choices were, I wanted to do power, uh-huh. do a whole show on like power, which I was like, that is such a Kieran topic. Yeah. Kieran would love to talk about power. But God pre- damn it, Priyanka. <laughs> Sorry. What are you doing to us? <laughs> but the other one is something that I wanted to do for a really long time because it's something that every female friend that I have has like an opinion on and personal mm-hmm. experience with and that's crying which is sort of <laughs> sorry <laughs> I like crying I like crying so this you is like Indian say. on Indian okay. I know you're we're supposed to be a team <laughs> we're 50 50 today we're 50 50 if you want to shift your body language to me you can <laughs> <laughs> but I think crying is Another way that people express where they stand in a hierarchy, power, lack thereof, frustration. I had a former uh, colleague who used to refer to a specific type of frustrated crying as math tears, which as a woman who was not, not bad at math when I was younger... I still get it. Like, it's the frustration of, like, not being able to solve a problem. But uh, anyway, so tears happen for a whole bunch of reasons, especially for women. Um, So I wanted to start by asking this opening question, and I'll throw it to you first, Priyanka, since you're our guest. When is the last time you cried and what were the circumstances? Well, okay. First of all, I'm floored by the term math tears. Like, that's never occurred to me, and that's so applicable. Right. You know what it is, even if it was was not about math. I'm I'm just sitting here amazed. Um, But actually, this is a... Great time for this podcast. Uh, I feel like a. I'm in like a season of my life where I'm crying a decent amount. So I was like, okay, I feel prepared. Are you um, crying right now? Yeah, I'm actually just shedding tears. You've got like the what's the Lauren from the Hills? Remember when she cried and just like two little One things of mess? mascara, <laughs> or just like wet eyes in your eyes, but it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like pretty crying. You're wow. pretty crying right Thank now, Priyanka. You. <laughs> um, no, but I was like, oh, like when was? It's kind of hard to put a finger on it. Actually, I cried last night, so prepared really well for this. Oh, podcast. Great. Mm-hmm. great! Yeah, it was in preparation though, so it didn't Honest, count. Yeah. I was like, I want to be asked back. Like, I want them to know I'm a good guest. I'm committed. <laughs> so, yes, I cried last night. Um, the circumstances, I was okay. So I feel like I don't cry because I'm stressed out. I feel like being stressed out makes like a prime condition for you mm-hmm. for other things to make you cry. Mm-hmm. So I was super stressed out, super anxious. And then there were a few things that happened and I kind of was like, oh, okay, like I'm crying. This is happening. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be one of those things where I was like, this is like a five minute thing and like we're going to be over it and it'll be fine. And then it ended up being like a way longer thing. Um, what are we talking here? <laughs> 20 minutes, an hour, 90? An evening. We're talking an evening. We're oh, talking an evening. evening. Oh, an, an evening. evening. An evening of tears. An evening of like... <laughs> it's like sporadic. I'm, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like it comes in waves. Yeah. Um, the hours are lost though. <laughs> yes. Oh, definitely. yeah. And your face looks very good for having cried last night. Okay. There's it's this cleansing. crazy tears, thing. Tear you can cleansing. definitely tell when your, your eyelids are puffy, but mm-hmm. I also have a wrinkle that comes out like right under my eyelids after I cry. So I'm like, oh, I can't. I, you guys probably can't tell, but now everyone's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> can't tell. Um, but yes, yeah, so I cried recently. 
Um, so you've been in a crying phase. Yes. Do you, do, Kieran and Megan, do you guys, have you found that you go through phases where you cry more or cry less? Yeah. No. Really? Do no. you just not cry, Kieran? Kieran's like, I no, never I can, cry. I cry, but I, but I wouldn't say it's phase oriented. It's just completely whenever it, it's, it's a very honest cry. It, you're always coming at it from a, from the same baseline. I think it's always the same baseline. Interesting. When Hi. was the last time you cried? Yeah, I don't remember. Wow. But I have a very bad memory <laughs> okay. for uh, like pa- my own human patterns. It's because of all the lying down. <laughs> I, I have a bad, I, I just have a bad memory for, I don't, I couldn't, t- like if it was yesterday or if it was this week, I could tell you, but um, I was trying to think of a time that I cried. I cried in Up, the beginning of Up. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. The yeah, one time that like, everybody so cried? Did everybody. That's right. That was <laughs> yeah. my that example movie came for you. out like nine years ago. Shut up, Priyanka. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about power, so... <laughs> You guys are all talking about tears, and I was like, a time that I felt powerful was. <laughs> the beginning of Up, that would be disturbing. Yeah. yeah. I was like, die, old man, die. You're never going on vacation. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm um, joking. Well, I guess here, let's let's tie this into the idea of, like, power and femininity. I know the last time I cried, oh, wait, though. What, what was it? <laughs> Go ahead, Megan. I thought it was book smart, but then I realized I cried two days after I saw book smart. I was at a Dodgers game on Memorial Day and um, a World War II veteran who was in a wheelchair who was 96 years old throughout the first pitch. And I just started sobbing. Did um, you text about this? I feel like I saw some sort of... Oh, I tweeted. Comedian. Okay. I definitely I- tweeted about how much because I just love old people so so much so Memorial Day is kind of like your thing my thing you know (laughs) (laughs) it's my pride um I just like I'm like yes they're everywhere and like they're just in their hats and like oh I would love to go on an honor flight like I just love them I worked at a retirement community they are angels but I was with my mom and dad and you know so I was sort of I mean crying at a sporting event is a very, very vulnerable thing. So I was, I had sunglasses on, I had a hat on, whatever. But then I looked over and my mom and my dad were both crying. Oh. So I was like, all right, we just love World War II. (laughs) That's a very like, yeah, that's a warm cry. I'm curious, is yours related to, is it like related to your personal life? Is it related to family? Is it just general stress? It's you like know, related to work things, which is weird to say on a work. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hey stressing bosses. you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, no. But like, for I would say that I've never been like a big personal life crier. Yeah, like there are. It's just mostly like a stress situational thing. And I, w- I was reading like some of the stuff that our amazing producer Caroline pulled. Um, about like situations and power in crying and things like that. Like I feel like a lot of my crying is not because I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. sometimes people are like, oh, like if this would feel really good right now. Mm-hmm. Like I want a good cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, sometimes it's like, great, I'm going to watch a sad movie. But most of the time it's like, and I feel not so great. And yeah. I don't necessarily want to be crying right now. I just am in my car and, oh, shit, I'm really upset. And like now yeah. I'm crying down La Cienega Boulevard. Like this is embarrassing. Yeah. I, I would say un- like like if, I, if I'm in therapy, like if I think I started therapy one time and it was like this like um, – actually hilarious woman. She was my favorite therapist, but she dumped me. She kind of, she kind of ghosted whatever. But she was this woman, this is an Asian American woman, but it was like, the reason I love this therapist is because it would be like, you'd say anything. You'd be like, yeah, I lie in bed 
you know, lie in wait like Nosferatu. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's wow. Yes. Like, wow. You could say anything. And it was like, I had a really good shit this morning. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yes. That's what she would always do. But it was like the first session she wanted like a, like just like a lay, a layout or a breakdown. And it was like after, and I, I remember leaving there feeling like really, oh, that felt very, because this is a stranger. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like after a first, inner, like a first uh, session is a stranger. And so it's like, I felt very like too vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I, and I remember I felt really, really bad for like a while yeah. afterwards. And then I cried then. Honestly, crying in front of someone you just met is more vulnerable and awkward than having sex with someone that you just met, I think. Because it's like, you know, whatever. Sex can be like theatrics and stuff, but crying is like just pure emotional expression. And it's so much more like, do you know what I mean? It's it's so uh, private in a lot of cases. It's some, That's why it's something like Priyanka, you were saying you do in your car or it's something in, well, in New York. Yeah, there's no windows there. Nobody can look in. I yeah. like when you look in and yeah, but you, you see, like drive away. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really I don't, care. I don't know you. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have to face you tomorrow. <laughs> or, like, or like in New York, there's always like people crying on the subway because there's no yeah. private places in New York. So you just have to oh, cry yeah. wherever you can. You walk and you cry. It's like you walk and you eat. You walk and you cry. There's no, you got to do all of it at once. I saw a woman coming out of a coffee shop went on Wednesday and she had clearly just been crying and I felt myself like fascinated with her. Like I was like, I want to know what's going on. And is it like, a spe- I was staring at her mm-hmm. and it's like, that's not what she wants me to be doing. But I felt this need to like know why she was crying. Mm-hmm. There's um, when I was, I was walking with my mom when I was home and there was a boy and she's like, why is he getting on his bike right now? I mean, and I was like, oh, he was crying. And she's like, Oh, no. Like, because it was like he was like wiping his eyes, oh. you know, like on the lawn. It. I will say that when I see someone else cry, it. Um, even if it's a dear friend, I always I, it's it's almost sometimes you should just like let someone cry. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's like totally. there's a but the knee jerk is like you want to make it. I don't know if other people feel this way, but you want to make it better mm-hmm. or you want to make it OK. And a friend who went through a very. <clears throat> you know, sad personal circumstance and situation with her, with her husband. And, you know, the whole thing was like just really falling apart. And Mm so, um, and she was in a hotel room and she was telling me about it and it was like, and she's a very, you know, a very strong person, but you can be a very strong person and cry, you Mm -hmm. know, but I could tell how much she didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And it, and it was also like, and then you also feeling like you don't want somebody to like the, I was surprised at how much my knee jerk reaction was to be like, don't do it. No, not to don't do it. <laughs> no, like more like kind of, oh, like trying to make it better, trying yeah. to assuage it as opposed to just like, let it be sad. Yeah. Sometimes something can just be It's a hard sad. thing to sit with, especially yeah. when you're like one-on-one with someone and you're like, I, of course I don't want you to feel this way. You're like, what, what do I do? But right. have you ever hugged someone or like had someone tell you let it out cry like not even they don't even say cry but they can see (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. you start to get like the yips and your voice shakes and I've had many many instances in my life and I also feel like I get stereotyped as a crier like when I start crying in front of somebody they're like of course she is and it's like <laughs> fuck you that's actually not who I am I I think I cry probably if I were to take like a Cosmo quiz like an average amount but I I've, <laughs> I've gone in listen I was at dry, I was at dry bar yesterday and there were all these Cosmos everywhere and a woman said that she came <laughs> 
from a foot massage. And I was like, go to hell. So (laughs) did you cry? No, I wanted to fight her and I didn't even read it. I was just like, this is a lie. So I've, I've gone, I remember an instance where I was like living with friends, but I knew the guy much, it was a, I was living with a married couple and I knew the husband much better. He wasn't there and he has no emotional support uh, capabilities. And so I had a terrible phone call and I went inside and I like the wife like walked towards me and hugged me and I just sobbed down her back. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, I hugged her for probably five minutes crying. And then I was like, thank you so much. And we parted ways. I mean, that was the last time I ever saw her. And then I came then, you know, then five minutes later, the guy and his wife came home. And who was that? I I thought it was I thought it was her. She kind of looked like her, but it was I just love that, Megan, you were like you were like people. People assume that I'm a crier. And then you're like parallel to that was I cry an average amount. It was a Cosmo quiz. It's just like so perfect. that You're like, why would they assume that about me? But I get it. I know. I know what you mean. I think it's interesting to talk about like the circumstances under which we cry and the ways that they kind of differ. My last couple cries have been, kind of, they've kind of run the gamut. Like I had a World War II veteran cry. I was listening to uh, the radio in my car and they interviewed this British guy who had been in the first wave of D-Day and listening to him talk about it and thinking about him as like basically a child, like running onto the beach into gunfire was like emotionally overwhelming for me and thinking about, you know, my grandparents and my, both of my grandpas served in the military. One was, um, in one never got sent. He, he enlisted and was in uh, San Diego and the other one, uh, was in the army. And, uh, just thinking about that made me just like very, I don't know, it was like grateful and sad. And like, I just wanted to give him a hug. And also he had like a British accent, which made it somehow. So that was like a warm cry. And then I had like a cold cry, like a frustrated cry (laughs) for like no reason. I was packing for this wedding that I'm about to go to. And (laughs) I asked my boyfriend which dress I should wear. I sent him two pictures and both of them are floral patterned Yumi Kim dresses. Okay. And he goes, do you have anything that isn't floral? No. Which is fine. I mean, fine. You don't have to like floral. But, but you it's have to wedding. like Yumi Kim. I know. I know. It's a wedding. Okay. And we are it- available to donate those dresses. <laughs> I was up, uh, but I was I was packing and I was like stressed out and I was like worried about sending my cat to boarding. I've never boarded her before. There's just all this stuff. Travel, pre-travel stress. Mm-hmm. And that one thing was like, you don't understand. It was so stupid. Mm-hmm. It was so stupid. It was one of those things that while it was happening, I was like, this is I'm I'm engaging in emotional stupidity right now, but I can't stop it. How do I stop this? I don't know. I'll but- add a third type of cry, angry cry. If I'm like mm. so pissed, and this is the cry that's actually, I think, the worst because you're like, this is not representative of what emotion I'm feeling right now. I actually want to like scream and punch you, but I'm so angry and frustrated. Like when I would get in fights with like my brothers, I would cry mm. and they'd be like, you're a little bitch. <laughs> 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 they would never. But, <laughs> but that's what I think someone who sees me in a fight crying is like, you 
fucking pussy. Yeah. But like sorrow, like deep sorrow crying. It's like at my and this is an appropriate place. The other thing is like appropriate versus inappropriate places to cry because we have those. And I know at least I don't know if you feel this, but like in Indian culture in my family, I know that it's like people don't generally cry. But then at a funeral, it's like wailing. It's like, oh, like, like people actually there's there's um, they have like a mourning thing uh, where everyone comes over and like cries together and they put like a white sheet down um this is a Sikh family so it's like they put a white sheet down and then it's like people bring food but it's like people like talk about the person and then they cry together but I was really surprised that I spoke at that funeral and it was like right before I went up I and then when I went up I like I was really really crying like Mm -hmm. I I didn't I didn't know if I was going to get through it Mm -hmm. and that was a really very vulnerable because it's a room full of people do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean I do people you know yeah, yeah, we'll have to see totally. them after. Um, and it's like, it, but I was really surprised by how, like, it, this is something very interesting about the idea of fam, like, like the family or bearing witness. It's almost like somebody bearing witness to emotion in that way. It's kind of like, it's like a wedding. I mean, the this pr- this very private expression of love in a public moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's this like that's when you have a group of people like witnessing sorrow Mm -hmm. it's a similar yeah it's like a collective cry which is totally different than like the individual like anger cry or frustration cry that you have or like the warm sadness cry or the the up cry um which is the last time apparently you cried no no i okay i thought of a good one i don't know if this was the (laughs) last i don't know if i i have a good one i this this well there's two so it's like i so at my i think sometimes it's funny my when my mom's brother passed away and he passed away really young it was like it went fine um so so he he died and we went to the funeral and I remember I saw him and I felt a lot of relief and a lot of peace I was like oh he's at peace now I remember thinking that I was like I was like oh it's just like can't you know and and was able to like I was really glad I went but there is a moment when his mom when they were taking the coffin out when his um when his mom who 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 wouldn't have been able to understand like 90% of the ceremony because she doesn't really speak English. It's like as they're taking the coffin out, she just like takes her hand and she just like touches the side of it. You know what I mean? Like just touches the side of it. And it was just like such a, it's such a, like that was like a moment when I just remember it like, it was like a punch in the heart, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. And then the second one, this is a, uh, sometimes when somebody does something really moving, Mm -hmm. um, like I had a really, um, I was having a tough time. It was like my dad had been sick and I had just gotten to New York and somebody was, you know, um, a partner was supposed to leave me a key or meet me uh, off of the bus for a key and like left me stranded in New York with all my suitcases <gasps> for like three hours oh, no. in this like diner. And it was like midnight. And I went to the thing, I went to the thing and, and the guy was like, oh, is like, is everything okay? Mm. And I just kind of like, I, I kind of like nodded and I didn't mean to start crying. You know what I mean? But it was like, I think I started crying and he was the nicest. He just was like, let me get you some tea and like, I can keep this place open. He's like, you're going to be fine. Sometimes somebody's like um, compassion. Yeah. Tea is yeah. so nice. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and he was like, he's like, we don't have to close. You know, oh. it's just like this. It was very sweet. Oh, that is really moving. It was very, I mean, that was very sweet. And he it's was coming like, from a stranger. Total. Someone, you know, 
is who actually let you down. Yeah, it was a stranger. He was like, he was like, and because I think you see a, a young girl in New York with all her suitcases in a place and she's been sitting there for three hours. You don't know the circumstances. Yeah, you're, you try and fuck her usually. Yeah, it was. a. It's <laughs> interesting your mind went there. I was well, thinking. Whenever I had a suitcase in New York, I was like, everyone's going to try and fuck me because they think I just got thrown out of my boyfriend's apartment. And they're like, no, she's ripe. You I, know? Was, I was really surprised at like the level of compassion that like, but there's a there, and maybe it's because there is so much like public, so like because you cry in public and whatever else, there was like the sense of like the cab driver could see I was really upset and was like, are you okay? Like right. there was like the sense, there, I was surprised at like the level of like community fabric yeah. in a moment where you felt vulnerable. New York is like that. I yeah. found it's a lot nicer and warmer a place. I One time I fell down the stairs in the subway station <gasps> oh. and I scraped down the front of my shins. I was in a dress and I scraped down the front of my shins and rather and was like, rather than wait for like first aid or whatever, I just stood up and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to get on the train. And my like blood was running down my legs and everything. It was like a, it was like a short, it was like a short story that was meant to be heartwarming because like every stop people got off and people got on and every stop somebody asked me if I was okay. And like this little, this little like abuela handed me a, a fistful of McDonald's napkins and said something to me in Spanish. And it was mm-hmm. like, everyone was so kind and like looking out for, for somebody who, I mean, I was bleeding on the train, but it was like, everyone was nice. I think that's a, that's something that you find in, in cities where Everybody is experiencing the same reality. I don't think LA is a place where that's happening because we're sort of separated. Mm-hmm. But it, but because because I think there's a an empathy of like I could have been that I could have been the person who fell we've on the train. We've all been we've all, that. We've, yeah, yeah. We've, we've all been, been the person who like. And then it's like, what would I want somebody to do for me? I think mm-hmm. there's a sense of and everyone's kind of alone traveling on the subway. People or, can identify a New York rock bottom when they see yes, it. So they're like, yes. I've been there, girl. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, let's pivot to talking about crying at work, because I think this is a very uh, loaded topic. And Priyanka, I want to start with you. What do you think about crying at work? Have you ever done it? And if you have to, what do you what do you do? Do you just do it in the open or do you go into a, like the bathroom? I have never cried in the open at work. I don't know if anyone else has here, uh, but I never have. I've cried like after hours, like when I'm, but in general, I'm like a solo crier. Like I have not really done the thing where I'm like walking around New York City crying. People have done that before and been like, oh, yes, like I get a lot of comfort or whatever. Like I, I'm like kind of not a public crier. So I've cried like after people have left, like in an office space mm-hmm. here in our old therapy room. <laughs> um, where else? In the bathroom. That's like not an ideal situation. But like I've never been like at my desk openly crying. Crooked, hmm. why are you hurting Priyanka? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, are you going to be so nice to me? What is going on? She's like, I've cried here. I've cried here <laughs> under this table. Actually in the studio. Yeah, I've cried in this studio. This I've cried like under a, that sofa. It's like a really depressing verse in a ludicrous song. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I will cry with you in the back of the Cadillac on the 50-yard line of the Georgia Dome. <laughs> Actually, that's nobody's fantasy. Having sex on the 50-yard line of a football field. Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, wow. But the, just on the crying at work thing, what do you think about, like, have you ever, I'm sure you've I've seen, seen people. I've seen other people, like, no one in a direct situation with me, but I've seen, like, you know, when I was an intern, there was an older editor who was crying, but to, I mean, someone that she worked with. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I mean, I also was maybe like, what, like 19 or something at the time and had just really entered workspaces and was like, oh, like, is that doesn't seem like something that's great to be doing. And <laughs> honestly, she seemed fine. Like after it happened, like, right. I think like the situation worked out, whatever. And she ended up great. So like, maybe it is something that was like totally okay. Yeah. But I mean, I, why don't you, you think it would be okay? I feel like it's something you're socialized to be like, oh, especially if you are a woman at work, like you don't want to do that. Like you don't want to be seen that way by your coworkers. You like don't want to make your boss feel weird. There's all of these like hard kind of like, I don't want to put this on someone else. And I also Mm -hmm. don't want to like feel embarrassed. I feel like that's a big thing with crying. You don't, it's like a shameful almost thing, even though it shouldn't necessarily be. It kind of, I'm still very much grappling with that. I'm like, uh, like, Mm -hmm. I don't love crying in front of other people, even when they're people that I'm close with. Yeah. Do you think it's because when, I mean, on one hand, it's, it's good to demonstrate control of your emotions in a professional environment, because if everybody just kind of let everything fly, then nobody would get anything done. It would be very entertaining, but nobody would get anything done. But I think part of it, sometimes the shame and the judgment around crying comes from the fact that when women externalize their emotions, we're we feel shame about that. We feel shame around getting angry or displaying anger, feel shame around crying because we make our emotions like someone else has to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And the act of making somebody else deal with them almost feels like this kind of internalized thing where like, oh, fuck, fuck, I made myself somebody else's problem. And that's bad. I'm being bad. I don't feel guilt, like, especially if I'm like angry, I don't feel guilt about it, but I think there are repercussions for, 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 you know, if you are angry in a certain context or whatever else, it's like, I mean, even down to like, you know, there'll be times in standup, like I remember one time somebody described me as like an angry, sexy Louis Black and like as a bad thing. And I was like, that sounds so marketable. That sounds awesome. (laughs) That sounds fucking marketable. And then it was like a little bit like. It was an executive and it was like, but seriously, you should probably smile a little more. You should probably make it a little more palatable. And I was like, Bill Burr would never hear that. Like, and it was just, just being aware that like there are repercussions, especially depending on who the gatekeepers are or who is in charge or who are the bosses for your behavior. Mm -hmm. So part of it can also be just like, it might not be an internalized shame. It might be an awareness that you're in a society and that there will be repercussions, um, and a way you are perceived because you can't control the way that other people perceive you. I had, I was fired for, for like the second time from one of my first jobs for this just God awful production company. And, uh, and, uh, but it was very sudden. Like it, it was very, very sudden. I had said something, I think I had like kind of set a boundary, which was very, very reasonable with a boss. Um, and it was enough to get fired like the next day because the company was really broken. Um, but but it was like I walked into the office and I remember I remember he fired me and I was just I, I and that was a moment when I like teared up and I could tell he was like, oh, shit, like you could see it on the boss's face. And like it was just like, oh, was, shit. And like a, I made her upset or oh, shit, I have to deal with this. I mean, it looked like, I mean, I could tell he like legitimately felt bad because it like he knew me well enough to know that wasn't something like I would normally do. Right. But that was a moment when I was like so angry mm-hmm. I, and it was like a pretty unjust, it was a pretty unfair circumstance. And you want to be like, I'm not crying because I'm sad I can't work here anymore. I'm crying because I'm pissed off that you did this. Yeah. I was, I was like, this is, this is a what the fuck cry. Yeah. You know, I also think crying at work, like 
it depends. I, I think people's like guilt over it depends on the situation. Like if you get a phone call and they're like, mm. hey, so-and-so passed. Like right. I was nannying once. I mean, and that was my work. And I got a call. My grandma died. And so I like called the dad. Actually, the dad was home. So it's like, let me leave. So I went in there and I was like, my grandmother passed away and I was crying. And so it's like, yeah, please. But if you're crying at work about work, mm -hmm. that's when sort of like the antennas of like, is this inappropriate yeah. start coming in? If you're crying about totally things outside of work, and I think it's the stigma is around crying about work at work. Yeah, although I do have a sort of exception that proves the rule story about that. When I was working in finance and I hated it and I wanted to die, um, I was sort of starting to dip my toe into writing, and but I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was like, I don't know, it was 2011, so eight, well, almost, yeah, eight years ago, almost eight years ago. And um, so at this place where I was working, I had a mid-year review, and my boss was like a really nice guy. Everyone I worked with was very nice. I just, the work was just wrong for me. Um, and in my mid-year review, I burst into tears, and it was not strategic. It just was completely like... Uh, unhappy. I was just unhappy. I was, and I was being asked if I was happy. And the answer was no opposite. I'm very unhappy. And then a few months later, I um, got a job offer from this website that I eventually ended up working for. On the day that I quit, I asked for them to lay me off instead of quitting because I'd been there for years and, you know, and they agreed um, partly because I was so visibly unhappy during the mid-year review. I still did my work. I still performed just fine. But they were like, yeah, you're very, like, we would like for you to be happier. We will, here's here's a severance. You can go, go, go be a writer. And so that ended up being a good work cry. But I have never, ever heard of a work cry helping a person get what they want aside I, from that. I cried in a job interview. Really? Yeah. What was it for? Oh my God. Honestly. The way you say, obviously. <laughs> it was I mean, like, it was obviously. so embarrassing. It was to like work with, it was like to be an actor basically at the Indianapolis Children's Museum. And so they asked me what I was like most proud of in my life. And at the time I was helping take care of my grandmother who had Alzheimer's. So I started talking about that. And then they were like, asked, they like asked me more questions. And it was just so personal and, and intense for me in that moment that I started crying. Mm. And then, of course, I did not get the job because they were like, this woman can't be around children. Like, she's crying <laughs> in the children's museum about nothing. Kids do get worried when they see adults cry. It's deeply unmooring. But they're they, like, come and hug you. I think, or, you know, they're like, do you have a boo-boo? I've been asked that before. Like, are you okay? Like, I think kids have um, a sort of, like, empathy and are actually warm warmer to someone crying than adults are mm -hmm. at times. I guess I feel less uncomfortable by it and less like, oh, I have to make it yeah. better. It's my job. They can like, just I just be cried. like, what? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just shit my pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, we're the same. <laughs> Wait, did you also shit your pants in the children's season? No, yeah, but I know, but I've shit my pants before and I did not cry. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Here's one aspect of crying that I think is part of the reason that there's like a stigma around it is because a lot of people view it as manipulative. Like, have you guys watched the new season of Fleabag? 
Or the last season of Fleabag, the first season of Fleabag. I've been busy. Me too. I've watched, <laughs> I watched the second season. I've seen the memes. The, first... the second season was excellent. The The first season I did watch, but it's been a while. So yeah. I don't remember what you're talking about. Well, there's a scene toward the end of the first season where she's talking to the woman that her father has is sleeping with her godmother. So her mother died and her father took up with their godmother and like she just kind of doesn't like the whole arrangement. And the godmother is played by Olivia Coleman and <gasps> she's hilarious and also sort of like this this kind of dippy artist self-involved bitch, but so funny. Um because Olivia Coleman's a treasure. But Olivia Coleman in the scene says she she starts crying. She like Fleabag does something and her face kind of breaks into this like cry in front of the dad. And uh Fleabag says, Oh fuck off when she starts crying. Like, do you think that people use crying to manipulate people? Have you ever seen that happen? Yes. More skilled people than I. I certainly like feel like I can't. But have I mean, you seen it happen? Have you ever felt manipulated by a cry? No. What? Really? You guys have such nice people around you. <laughs> I feel like I've been manipulated by a cry and I've manipulated through cries. Like, give, give some examples because I'm sure a I, cop. You cry. Oh, yeah. Boo. Who? <clears throat> yeah. Crying in front of a cop sometimes works if you're a white lady and the cop is a white man. Listen, I shot my shot and I scored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way Gailey is like, donate the player, hit the game. You can't fault me for trying, but I've also cried in front of a cop and he's like, bitch, this isn't happening, you know? So. Yeah, and, and then you wipe your eyes and you're like, "Give me my <laughs> fucking ticket." But I've been, but I've, yeah, of course. You put your sunglasses I've, on and you speed away. I do think I've been like accused of a manipulative cry before. Interesting. I find myself sometimes feeling shame when I cry because I don't want people to. I, I want people to understand that I can't help it. Like I'm not doing it on purpose. That it's like. I have seen a manipulative cry. Yes, I have. I'm sorry. That's why I was asking for a for a um, a moment a moment to think about it. When I was uh, doing ayahuasca, there was oh like there was like a group there was like a group of people. It was yeah, it was during the ayahuasca, and I was like, this fucking white lady needs to shut the fuck up. No, I'm just joking. It wasn't there, but it was like it was a week. It was like ten days or something, and there was. A girl who had a week late. You weren't on ayahuasca for ten days. No, no. Okay, it was like it was you do you do it three yes. times, but it okay. was like so. So it's a group of strangers, and then it's like there's a girl who pretended to be someone else to get a second dose of the stuff, which is like actually pretty fucked up. And then got discovered doing it, and then like, and then there was like this like very warm because they're all fucking hippies, like this like kind of warm confrontation. But then. uh she started sobbing and it was a very manipulative, you know, I mean, it was like one of the most I got caught cry psycho things I've ever seen. And then it was like and then because of the way that she was in that moment, it was like then she got asked not to be in the group. And then she was like screaming and crying later, oh like throwing like a massive tantrum in this way that was really yeah, it was really uh, unmoored. It was very unnerving. We yeah. got to get her on the show. Yeah. Gotta go find her. Fascinating. Yeah, she we'll was have grand. Her on the Power Show because with you've, you've seen people like 
in movies depicting like orphans and they like put a hat on to then get like a second serving of porridge. Yeah. But like to get a second serving of ayahuasca <laughs> is so crazy. And then and then there's a point when like she stopped crying and she was like, she was like, I did what I needed to do in the moment. And you're like, God damn. God damn. This just got unchill. Dark. Yeah. This got dark. Extremely unchill. Children do this. I have um, a couple oh, nephews who are toddlers and um, one of them is about to turn four and one's about to turn three and they're both just pure joy. But I've seen one of them. The one that is my sister's son, my little sister when she was a baby, was a manipulative little crier. Like she would, she would fall and then she'd be fine and then my mom would walk into the room and she'd be like, Bleh! like she'd just start crying and her son is just like her. He makes faces that look like her and it's like, Mary, you have the child that you have earned. Aww. You don't remember how you were, but he's he's like a doll. He's amazing, but he does do the thing that Mary used to do, which is like, cry like pretend to be like be okay until an adult appears and then cry to like get the adult to pick them up I did that in the work in the work scenario I was thinking there's been times when I've been like the boss or the director and like it, and I remember we did an episode on like emotional how women have to deal with emotional labor of mm -hmm. other people and there's been like moments when people are being like so incredibly like they're like offloading onto me and it's like yo I just I just need you to fucking like edit this thing, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I just, I kind of like, I, that sounds like a lot is happening for you. And also like you're on the clock and this is for money. So can you like not do this right now? Cause we have limited time together in this space. So it's like, I can, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, like, I understand the idea that like people should be comfortable with their emotions, et cetera. But on the flip side of it, you know, I, I remember I've been frustrated. There's been a couple of times when I've been frustrated or had to deal with it when I didn't feel like it was fair, fair or my responsibility to kind of I don't like if that was a dude, I don't know if he would have been expected to like to like engage in like a therapy session if that, you know, engage mm -hmm. in like a mini, right. You know, 45, you know, a hot 45 take <laughs> on like what's going on in your life kind of thing. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we just about solved crying. I think we figured it out because <laughs> um, we're this is we're running out of time. Is but we it over. Yeah, I have to. It's over like a good cry. It's not an evening worth of crying. It's about you know a good 40 minutes. But before we end this part of the show, I wanted to ask the table, what's something that you go to when you need a good cry or something that will, you know, is going to make you cry in a like nice way? Megan, do you know? Yeah. Um, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh. Every time I hear it, I feel cleansed um, and emotional. And I love it. And I fear it for the power it has over me. It is a beautiful song. Um, I think the thing that I... The thing that automatically makes me cry is I'm going to sound like a dude. Like the last third of Field of Dreams... <laughs> It's a baseball movie about ghosts that come back alive in Iowa. And Kevin Costner is a hot dad. Oh, it's, it's a, whole a lovely thing. movie. It's a whole thing. And Ray Liotta is in it as Shoeless Joe Jackson. And it's it's great. It's about can you go back and fix things or what is moving forward? What is whatever? It's oh, so good. It's also baseball in Iowa. And I love it. Um, <laughs> Kieran, how go about you? Go Priyanka first because I'm still thinking. Okay. Um, I feel like songs, um, Landslide, Time After Time. Which Landslide? Uh, Stevie Nicks. 
Okay. Sure. Um, My mom likes time after time. Yeah, that one will make you cry like a little baby if you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are like positive. I feel like you can spin it. You can spin it into a positive cry. You can spin it into a negative cry. Yeah. You can make it whatever you want to be. It's like pretty multi-purpose. But yeah, that'll that'll get it going. Hmm. All right, Karen, you're up. When do I, if I need a good cry? Yeah, what's something that reliably makes you cry or get emotional? <laughs> I got nothing, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I can, beginning of us? I got you. Yeah, the beginning of us. <laughs> Fuck you, Kaylee. She's like, she's like, I'm, I'm helping you. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think Pixar. Actually, Pixar <laughs> is very good. Pixar in general, Coco. Oh. Excellent. They're very good. Like they're they. I think they're emo. They're very good at pushing emotional buttons, uh-huh. but in a way that plot is really like that grandma at the end yeah. with like her little singing. You know, yeah. sorry if that's a spoiler. Uh, you know what I mean. But it was a little like sometimes I feel I'm like all right, Pixar. I feel a little bit like that. But it is. I would say Pixar movies in yeah. general can really You're get me. You're emotionally manipulated by them. Yeah, I'm emotionally manipulated by Pixar. The one thing we didn't talk about that I'm I am curious if you do have an opinion on, and it's not a good thing to bring up right at the end. So I apologize, <laughs> was uh, the idea of white women's tears. Like, I'm oh, sure you've God. read a ton of articles about this, you know, and or like the idea of like, if somebody is very sad, Megan, <laughs> um, somebody is very sad in like an office space, you know, or somebody expresses, you know, a form of injustice and then somebody else starts crying because it just seems so unfair. But then it's like the way it takes away somebody else's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. agency or then it makes it about comforting somebody else as opposed <laughs> to like having the experience you're having. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really important point. Um, and it's something that you notice when there's any asymmetry, like the person with more power making the interaction about them instead of about the person that was harmed. So sometimes it's like a man being upset that a woman right. did something. A lot of times it's a white woman being upset that somebody pointed out that she's being fucked up or she did something wrong or getting caught trying to st- sneak ayahuasca. Um, I think a lot of times... Those that the like white woman tears in and, and again, I Aaron just did air quotes, which, just, is, which is right. I but mean, I mean, right, I, yeah. it doesn't mean just like every time a white woman cries, it's a specific type of like mm-hmm. manipulative crying that that is about being caught or called out. I think I think or even just ver- or maybe even very defensive. Yeah, it's like it's like if yeah, the person I think that you said it well, it's like if the person who was harmed then has to spend the time comforting the person who has more power than them who did the harming. Right. In a circumstance. I mean, I have to say that it is uncomfortable if you're a person who has more power being confronted about the fact that you're acting in a way that is fucked up and harmful, especially if you don't think of yourself that way. And I'm not defending women who react, but I understand the psychology of somebody being like, what the fuck? Uh, uh, this is like fucking with my idea of who I am as a person. Right. It's but identity I, related. Exactly. But I also think that like facing the discomfort without realizing that it's sh- like growth isn't shameful. Growth is painful, but it's not shameful. Ooh. And to <laughs> I think we got a merch item. Growth is painful, but not shameful. I mean, Aaron, Oprah, Ryan. <laughs> but I think back on, you know, things that I've been wrong about or dumb about or not known about and, and accidentally, not on purpose, ignorantly done to uh, alienate people or make them feel as though I wasn't thinking about them. Or especially like when I was early in my writing career, there are things where I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't I didn't know, but I should have 
done a better job, you know? And I've always been uncomfortable and I've, and, and I've, that wasn't intentional. I'm sure no, whatever no. it was, wasn't intentionally manipulative. Right. But still the person that were, the people that were hurt are people that have been dealing with this shit constantly. And so they have like this much patience left for it. So even though I didn't do all of the things that made them lose their patience, they still justifiably don't have any more patience for it. And so when I get like snapped at, it is not my job to respond by crying. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's something that I've had to work on. I I, I don't think I was ever like cr- crying when somebody was like, hey, you shouldn't say this about this, blah, 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 blah. I don't think I ever cried in response to that. But I'm expanding tears to mean like defensiveness and like weaponized sadness. Mm-hmm. And that's it's something that, that I think is and it's like a muscle memory thing for a lot of white women. It's something that I think we should, you have to like work to overcome. Does that make sense? Yeah. It would help if I had like, can you be a little more specific? <laughs> well, no, I'm only asking because it's like, because when you talk about stuff generally, you know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. like, okay, here's an example. Um, and I use this example a lot because it was like borderline traumatic. Um, but I wrote this piece for, um, Jezebel like six years ago that ended up being a shitstorm, And it was about how I didn't think selfies. I thought selfies were like aggressively not empowering and just kind of an expression of vanity. And I sort of hated how they're getting tangled up in feminist power, like empowerment, like empowerment trademark. And I just wrote very generally about how putting a picture of yourself online is like an exercise in vanity. And in 99% of the time, it sort of is. But there's a 1% of the time when it's really not. And that's when there are groups that are like, look at me, you have to look at me like people who are disabled, people who are trans, like posting pictures of yourself online as you are living life as a trans woman or trans man is like really important to validating your identity and the way that you're living. And that wasn't, that was just an, like something that I just didn't even think about. I, I didn't think about it. And that was an example of like when people were confronting me about that, I was like, yeah, fuck you. You know, because I was like, I felt bombarded. But after you know, sort of the hurt and the sting of the shitstorm passed, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know what? This is this is a learning moment for me. Like, actually, there are people, there are groups of marginalized people who really value having their beauty validated. And it's kind of revolutionary for those groups. So that's that's an example. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nice example. Thank that's you. a really good one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Anyway, you brought it up. Thanks. Yeah. I love that we are like, oh, God, Karen, (laughs) with the examples now. (laughs) No, I'm glad you brought it up. It's like it's it's really important. I mean, tears are good and tears are bad, like all things. And I think that, you know, it's fun to weaponize them to get out of tickets. But yeah, it's and and we needed you to bring it up. You know, like that's uh, unfortunately that's a that's a learning thing, too, of like, oh, we weren't even able to be like, let's talk some shit on ourselves. Um, (laughs) You had to point that out to us. And I sat here quietly nodding. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, you're always on the shows where it's like, okay, white ladies, what's, <laughs> but what's that's your good. problem? I got to grow, y'all. I got to grow. <laughs> Growth is, what was it? It's not shameful, but it's, it's not, painful. It's painful, but it's but not, not shameful. shameful. Anyway, thank you guys. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the hills will die on. Mm-hmm. 
Beyonce, Katanji Brown Jackson, the lady who spent 500 days in a cave. Women are all around us. And this Women's History Month, the Crooked Store is celebrating with a pop-up shop featuring favorites from women of color founded companies. For a limited time, the SheCommerce pop-up shop has everything from delicious goodies to kids books to candles, all from small companies that we love. It is a great way to support women of color while treating a woman in your own life maybe that's yourself, to a sweet distraction from the endless horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at crooked.com slash store for this month only. It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help. You don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing, sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go, and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com and enjoy your edible. <laughs> Legal disclaimer, paid for by Vote Save America, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Welcome back to more hysteria. We've gotten to the part of the show where we take ardent stances on things that don't really matter. The hills will die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. Hi, hysteria. My name is Emma, and the hill I'll die on is that not all people who wear socks to bed are serial killers. <laughs> Sometimes people are just cold, and saying that wearing socks to bed is sociopathic is discriminatory. Look, I have bad circulation, and in the winter, I need that extra layer of warmth on my extremities. I promise you, I'm not a serial killer. I'm just cold. Oh, <laughs> oh I think I, I yeah, respect that. I know. I grew up in a cold house. I wore socks to bed. Used to have to smear my feet with Vaseline at night because it was so cold and dry because we heated our house with a wood stove. So I am sock wearer as well. Karen's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you guys are serial killers. I feel so bad that she even had to like clear it up for us. Yeah, where <laughs> is this a stereotype? Where are people like socks equal murder? I do feel bad, but she also said it like four times. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it was a little more it was like... a bit of a Dexter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the delivery had me, had me questioning it, but it might have also been the topic. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go next because uh, mine's really stupid. Um, here's the hill I'll die on this week. It's more of a question that is like a... I don't know how to eat broccolini. What? what mm. It's too long. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's too tough. Do I cut it? Because you can't just like, st- it's hard to stab and just like put in your mouth whole. It's like you have to open your mouth really wide and parts of it stick out. So you have to cut it in order to fit it. But it's really awkward to cut it. Where do you cut it? Because there's so many different parts of it. Yeah. And it just like looks really weird. But they constantly offer, just offer, just regular broccoli is fine, guys. I don't yeah. care if it's a little bit more of a, you know, bold flavor if you make it broccolini <laughs> instead of broccoli. I just would prefer to not have to like, grab the end of the stock and like bite it off in front of somebody and then put the piece back down on my plate. I hate when that happens, when things become popular, like food wise, and they're like, just 
very patently hard to eat. Right. And you're like, oh, God, I got to deal with this for the next, like, two years. Right. This is the thing. I almost <laughs> think there's something that you order if you're an actress and you just don't plan to eat it. But it will look pretty sitting out in front of you. I, I made broccolini last night. I like it better than broccoli. It is tasty. It's really it's tasty. tasty. It's just unwieldy. It's a thing I don't want to eat in front of other people. Exactly. Oh, got it. It's like a, it's a private. Yeah. It's like a private, like, <sighs> it's like right. crying. Yeah, yeah. Priyanka's going to be in a, ba- <laughs> in a bathroom cell <laughs> crying and eating, eating broccolini. And broccolini and everything else that I'm like, oh, can't see this from other people. <laughs> Multitasking, man. It's really important. Uh, who wants to go next? Karen, you want to go next? I don't like when uh, Vimeo signs their emails love. <laughs> Fuck you, Vimeo. Love Vimeo. They charged me like $85 for the year. And then they're like, love Vimeo. And I fucking wrote to them. Uh-oh. I wrote to Vimeo. This, Wait, is so very, this is a very this is a very white woman thing. This is I, I get so angry. I mean, but this you know this about me. I get so angry like corporations make me angry just in general. I said, stop sending me messages with love in them. It's weird and creepy. You're a business that wants my money, which is why you lead with a veiled threat about why I should continue paying you money. Vimeo wrote back. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to write in today. I'm sorry if the context of that automated email caused some stress on your end. Oh, God. And then I'm like, I'll be sure to leave a detailed note for our product team letting them know. We appreciate you sending along your feedback. Is this even a person answering? No. I don't know. Is this a fucking person? Said somebody who uses their, their name. It doesn't have a Y on the end. It has an I. And I'm like, ugh. God, if there's anything you'd like me to add, please let me know. And it's like, yeah, stop fucking signing your emails. Love. You're not a person. You're not a person. You're what? You're a you're a video upload service. You know, love Vimeo. Get, get out of my life. Get him. It, you know, under the Supreme you. Court, it's, it's only a matter of time before <laughs> corporations can legally love. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're getting close. Right. I appreciate that. That I don't I hate it when they're like too cute. What? What? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. You know, if when somebody loves me, they pay for the upload service. That's what they do. Or they give me their password and they give me discounts. That's fucking love. All right. Okay. All right, Priyanka, do you have a hill? Yeah, my hill isn't as hot of a take. Now I'm feeling unfortunate about it. Okay. Uh, My hill, I think, is that... Sunday night is the best time for a first date. Oh. I think, like, it's like you would normally, until I had a Sunday first date. Everyone is shaking their head behind you. Really? But we all, we were were all charmed. We were into it and and they were all like, nah. We're all haters. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Anyways, I think it's great because you can start kind of early. You can have a drink, maybe two if you want. You have a hard out because it's Sunday. It's like a good time. And otherwise, you're sitting there at your house and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, shit, it's Sunday. Even if you, like, love your life, have, like, great things going on. Like, no one's excited about, like, a day that is devoted to, like, your laundry and getting ready for the week. It, Mm -hmm. like, is kind of shitty. And you spend that time, like, sitting around, maybe watching TV, like, just kind of waiting for the day to be over. and But, like, not really wanting it to be done. This kind of gives you something to look forward to, Mm. to do. And also, if it's going badly, you're like, great, it's Sunday, whatever. I never mm-hmm. have to see you again, and I can get out of here, like, super fast. Well, I don't have to come up with an excuse. <laughs> Just the, easy. The I flip so side of that mm. is when the date is going too well. Um, my first date with Josh was on a Sunday night, and I think we both strategically planned it because we were both like, okay, well, sure. this is like a hard out. We ended up staying out 
until the bar closed. <laughs> and then I went home with him and we continued to like drink and ended up like I slept over and then I had to go all the and way to work. Like, oh shit. <laughs> I had to go all the way to work in Santa Monica the next day. Like, so can you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> we held hands. You had a sexy Sunday. We, yeah. Well, it was not the Lord's day. That's for sure. <laughs> but we, yeah, like I went home with him and the next day I had to like go to work very hungover. And he was like at the time, like freelancing and screenwriting. And so he was like, bye. Like he, he just had like this whole day to like recover. And yeah, I, it was, it was a good date obviously because I'm, we're still together, but it was like also, it was when Sunday dates go too well. Okay. But it was a good, I agree agree with you. That you're, you're, you're okay. (laughs) That that is like a very, very rare situation. I feel like most first dates aren't like your greatest date ever. I don't know. I, I just love the her okay was like all right shut up Eric. <laughs> it was we like, get it was you're it, really happy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just too, she's like too, too nice to say it but it was just like all right yeah okay okay okay, yeah, okay. Good, yeah good good bitch. point what a burden <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you know be careful what you wish for okay Megan you want to bring us home I've blacked out on a Sunday first date um, and, uh, and I've been actually, to a party with you. She I, likes to drink. I actually cried and fell asleep at the bar and was thrown out of the bar. And then that, that man and I dated for like six months. Uh, so it, it was the day my grandmother died and my parents forced me to go on the date still. So wow, whatever. there's a lot. It's so much. We'll do a whole episode on it. Um <laughs> This man also once wouldn't let me give him a blowjob because he said I was too drunk to consent. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So my hill. More, more. Keep going. My hill is. Let's go deeper. um, I really, I don't know if this is a Los Angeles thing. I feel like the middle of the country probably has this down better. Large restaurants with one bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's like mm. I went to a restaurant the other day. We've got a patio. We've got an indoor. We've got a back patio. <gasps> and I know the one, one. And it's like that's not enough. There are drink stations. There was a bar. There's lemonade. People are hydrated and they need to go pee and you need to have more bathrooms. I understand if you want to have unisex ones that many, many people can go to, but you need to have like four of those. Mm -hmm. I think at bare minimum, because then you just have a line of people waiting in the restaurant to go into the bathroom and it's It's just, it's inappropriate and it's bad. How are you going to clean that if there's only one or two? That's a disaster. That's I know. disgusting. It's yeah. horrible. But that And these are nice restaurants. Yeah. I think I know the rest. Is it in Highland Park? No. Is it in Atwater? No. Whoa. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're everywhere. <laughs> wow. Because I was thinking everywhere. of a specific one that's kind of over by where you live. And I was like, yes, I know the one. But no, you're right. It's and now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But no, it's... In Los Feliz. Oh, man. What a scourge. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we all died. Hipsters aren't supposed to pee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah, idealized yeah. version of it, you can, if you drink strategically, you can just reabsorb it. Your body becomes a closed system and you mm-hmm. never have to pee. You're like a bear hibernating. <laughs> I just you love go to into pee. ketosis. I love to pee. <laughs> What's it called? Ketosis? I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Like, what a fun new word. Okay, well, that's all the time we have. Uh, Kieran and Megan, thank you so much for stopping by. Priyanka, please come by again. Oh, my God. I'm glad I didn't scare you off with all my crying. (laughs) I'm glad none of us cried this time. I consider this episode a success. Also, thank you to Alyssa Mastermonico for calling in. And there will be more hysteria next week.